Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. Well, 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 welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast. It's my time of year. I have the biggest smile on my face that you've seen just to be in the game. What am I talking about? That little old league of mine that I was on life supported for for about a month. The family decided to pull the plug, but I kept kicking. (laughs) We're going into showdown Monday. It all boils down to this, and this is all I ever wanted. My playoff starts this week. Welcome to the show, guys. I hope your week has been as entertaining and interesting as mine. We're heading into the thick of it now with the playoffs. Everyone, unless you have a bye week, will be in the thick of the playoffs this coming week. So we are going to make sure that we give you all the necessary information to make those decisions just a little bit easier. As always, I got my main man with me. How let the people, young Vander? I would be one of those people. With a bye week. <laughs> but <laughs> fantasy fiends, what's going on out there? And my God, bro Joe. Holla at the people, bro Joe. What's going on, fantasy fiend family? As I forestated, a lot of us are at different points in the leagues that we're in our various leagues that we're in. Some of us knew we were in the playoffs about three to four weeks ago. In some leagues, we're holding on for dear life. Either way it goes, it's all a part of fantasy football and what makes this such an exciting time of year. With that being said, bonjour, konnichiwa, good day, eh? Hola, como esta? Good day, mate. Uten tag and what's Let's go ahead and hop into your news. And now your fantasy news. All right. So let's go ahead and hop into your fantasy news. Injuries are going to be paramount to navigate this time of the season. So we're going to start out with two of possibly the biggest blows to fantasy football players. We have Josh Allen, who has a mild case of turf toe. We also have Lamar Jackson, who has an ankle sprain, has not yet been determined if it's high or low, and that can kind of determine the severity and the amount of time that he may be out. But two quarterbacks that our fantasy fiends may be leaning on may not be ready to go for week one of the playoffs. What are you guys going to do in this situation? Uh, we also have uh, Taylor Heineke getting an MRI on his knee. A lot of people may have been kind of depending on him. I don't see their backups being nearly as good as they are. Uh, Trubisky is probably the best of the backups. Kyle Allen definitely ain't it. Um, neither is uh, Huntley. So, man, what do you do at this point if you have these guys? Oh, man, if you have these guys, I think you definitely need to turn to another direction. I definitely wouldn't go want to go with the backup of the guy. Uh, hopefully you have another guy 
Well, in a one-quarterback league, I'm pretty sure you have a guy in free agency that you probably could play that's available. Uh, you still have guys like the Ben Roethlisbergers and true, true. You know those kind of guys are still on free agent lists. If you're in a two-quarterback league, then you might be stuck with the backup. <laughs> you might be stuck with the backup, or hopefully you have one on your bench that you can plug yeah, in. Yeah, true. Another quick tidbit though: if you are a, if you're not on any of these guys. Grab the defense. My league that I'm in, I have a bye week, so I don't play this upcoming week, but I play the following week. And me knowing that the Ravens play the Bengals, I'm, I picked up that Bengals defense. So you got to look at it from all kind of ways when you see these True. injuries, guys. You know what I'm saying? Not only offensively, but defensively. So the Bengals is a pretty solid defense year. And going against a guy like a Huntley, kind of look ahead and, and take advantage of those defenses. Yeah, but Buffalo's been looking kind of suspect with their starting QB. So maybe, I mean, they put up a few points this this week, which is to be expected against that Tampa Bay defense. But maybe that's another, you know, avenue that you look down and kind of see what's coming down the pike and see what's what as far as defenses are concerned. Yeah, definitely great advice there. We have Giovanni Bernard. Um, he had a hip injury on Sunday, but there is no fracture in the hip. So that's definitely good news there. Not that he was fantasy relevant, but every cog in the machine kind of helps it go. You have Chris Moore of Houston, who actually ended up being inactive. That was a guy that looked like he was kind of coming along, but it looks like he was a, a healthy scratch there. As we stated, Taylor Heineke had the MRI on his knee. We should probably know about his week 15 availability in the next couple of days or so. Equinemia St. Brown of Green Bay, he was ruled out due to a concussion. So he's now being evaluated uh, for that concussion. We'll kind of verify whether or not he's going to be available this week for Green Bay. Keenan Allen, uh, the coaches expect for him to return in week 15 after he dealt with his uh, COVID illness and COVID protocols. With Austin Eckler, there's no time expected to be missed. So it looks like he was able to avoid any serious injury as far as his ankle was concerned, which is a godsend for those out there that have him. He's definitely been one of those running backs that is an RB1, but you could get him in the place where most RB2s were being drafted. So that's a guy that some people that may have gone wide receiver or quarterback early may have ended up with. So looks like your guy's going to be available. Marquise Goodwin of Chicago didn't play on Sunday due to his foot injury. He was inactive. Looks like he's questionable for the week. Andy Dalton is still taking a back seat to this point. The fields, I don't believe he's going to get his job back this year, barring injury after the performance field was able to put up against the Green Bay Packers. He looked good out there. Some rookie mistakes still, but I think they're going to attempt to build on that for the next couple of games and try to come into next season with eyes wide open. The coaches may be coaching for their job these last couple of games. Uh, so there, there's a lot of different avenues that are going to be important to look at. You have Daniel Jones, who is visiting with a specialist on Monday. It doesn't look like his neck injury is getting any better just with time passing. So you're probably going to still be looking at Mike Glenn and giving it a go at quarterback for the Giants. Saquon made it through another game without any catastrophic injury, so that's a good thing. Uh, doesn't normally happen very often. So, <laughs> um, you got uh, Emmanuel Sanders of Buffalo. He injured his knee on Sunday, so Sanders was forced out of the game. Uh, if you were watching that game, you saw that uh, Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley were kind of able to pick right up where Emmanuel Sanders would have left off, so that may be a pivot for some people who had uh, either that particular injury that you're dealing with or 
or others than the wide receiver vein, or for that matter, if you have wide receivers that just weren't very um, active for you, didn't really produce much. Uh, these guys may be ones to take a second look at, just depending on how far down the rabbit hole you need to go to find your best solution. We have uh, DJ Moore, who had decent numbers, uh, although he had a knee issue. So we're hoping that this knee issue isn't going to be anything that actually sidelines him going into week one of the official playoffs. For those that set up the leagues the way they probably should have been for this year, starting the playoffs week 15, we have Lamar Jackson, who is still being evaluated. The thing with Lamar is this this ankle could really, for the way he plays the game, in my estimation, this could actually hurt him even more than it would hurt others. Without having that threat and without being that great of a passer to begin with, not saying that he can't pass, he's not Cam Newton, but not having the threat of the run will kind of help out defenses. I just kind of hope he gets back to his norm, ASAP. Um, he was in a walking boot following Sunday's loss to the Browns. And, you know, they're considering it right now to be a low ankle sprain. However, tests are being done and because they're indicating that there's some concern that it may be a high ankle sprain, but they think that it's a low ankle sprain right now. And that may just be wishful thinking, because if it's a high ankle sprain, they understand the amount of time that he may be out. And not to mention the fact that we're losing the game on Sunday, Cleveland. That kind of puts them in position that because if you lose Lamar for any decent amount of time, you may find yourself slipping out of the playoffs, definitely not having any chance at a buy or anything of that nature. I just had some news come across the wire saying that Melvin Gordon suffered a sprained thumb. Keep firing up Williams. I mean, it did. It's looking like at this point, what normally happens to Melvin Gordon is exactly what's happening, which is a, a multitude of injuries. So Williams looks like he's going to be the play. It's not indicating that Gordon is going to be out or anything of that nature, but he did suffer yet another injury. Aaron Rodgers also suffered a setback with his toe injury. Again, not giving an indication that he's going to be out, but he's not closer to being over that injury it's now re-aggravated so however bad it may have been a couple of weeks ago it's back to that same point now is what the thought process is we have kareem hunt who is getting an mr uh, mri on his ankle so uh, we have several ankle injuries that are that may be holding players out Obviously, you want to go ahead and grab up the Ernest Johnson if anyone dropped him when Hunt came back. It looks like he's going to be able to get at least some run. Whether or not this is going to be an extended outing or whether or not it may just be a week, maybe maybe he's back this coming week. Who knows? But the Ernest Johnson definitely showed and proved in Hunt's absence last go-round, so I would definitely have him as a backup option if need be for that running back spot. Terry McLaurin ended up with a concussion, didn't return to Sunday's game. He's one of those players now that went from being a highlight of a season to being kind of the bane of Fantasy Fiend's existence for several weeks out of the season, either due to bad quarterback play or due to injuries that he sustains within games. So um, hopefully Terry will be back at 100% as you go into the playoffs. And hopefully he didn't cost you your 
playoff spot this previous weekend. <laughs> Rex Burkhead left the contest on Sunday. Um, he was forced out of the game with a groin injury. So at this point in time, David Johnson may be the only game in town. I think they kind of pretty much got rid of everybody else. So wow. if this groin injury, which can normally be, you know, at least it puts you on a week-to-week type of a situation more so than a day-to-day with the groin injury, um, this may make David Johnson a, a playoff hero possibly just due to volume. Um, well, you know not- what? Even in that instance, I don't think so because it doesn't matter who's in the backfield there. They're not being productive. You, you see all these running backs get eliminated. Ingram, Lindsey. Okay, it's one guy. He's going to be the man. No, he goes in there. He does nothing. Their run game is obsolete. So it doesn't matter who's there by themselves. You would think with the volume, they'll do well, but hasn't been the case. I mean, we did see a sighting of Royce Freeman. Yeah. He had a, this guy had 11 carries for 15 yards. It's just like they just have they, they have absolutely no run game. So even if David Johnson is there, I wouldn't want him. If you have nothing left, I mean, play him as a flex. But don't have any high expectations. I would definitely agree if we're looking at a standard league. But knowing they're going to be playing from behind and Rex Burkhead is out, I think David Johnson is going to be the only pass catcher running back. Yeah, He can catch, he can catch 10 balls for 20 yards and run for <laughs> 15 yards. And he still gave you close to 15 points in the PPR league. So for that tail end of the bench, I know I have a couple of leagues where it's it's, it's hard out there for a pimp. Like, it's, it's real hard. Like, I have one league where I didn't realize until I got to – and you know how many moves we make. I didn't realize until I got to my 19th move that it was a 20-move cap. And it was just in happenstance that I happened to be having a conversation with the commissioner. You know, I dropped by my guy's crib. We was having a conversation about football. And he was like, man, yeah, you you see a lot of people can't make no moves and people done got hurt and they can't replace them. I'm like, what you talking about? Like, well, There's plenty of people on the way. Well, you can only make 20 moves. In between Antonio Brown getting suspended and Adam Thielen getting hurt, now I got to run the rest of the season with an open wide receiver spot and let's one of them come back. So just make sure, even though you think everything is regular, you know, make sure you have a full understanding of everything that's going on. Zach Moss is benched yet again. I guess the Bills are going to run with Devin Singletary and Matt Breida as their guys, which is interesting because Moss was the guy that they had chosen as the first up, if you will, starting the season. So it's, it just solidifies the fact that if you, you're running through three and at every point in the season, each one of them is your starter, you don't have a running back. That's one of the main reasons why Buffalo can't get things going when they need to get it going because they're counting on their quarterback to be their best runner. And if that's going to be the case, you're going to put yourself in a position where you might lose the most important guy on the field. Got to do what you got to do. But hey, you got J.D. McKissick uh, missed his second week and he had a concussion. So hopefully he'll be able to come back in week 15. We'll see how that goes. Tony Pollard didn't suit up on Sunday and he had a foot injury dealing with that plantar fasciitis and that's one of the more painful injuries that you can deal with especially as a running back having to plant and explode off of those feet so hopefully he will be good to go uh, sooner than later but it doesn't look like Zeke is going to get that much needed break because now he's pretty much the only game in town Derrick Henry could be back week 18 so for the real NFL if you're a Titans fan great news for fantasy players too little too late pretty much um but it looks like he will be able to return this year. And that pretty much wraps up your news. Let's go ahead and get into these game movies. 
so we had several games of significance that happened this weekend that definitely determined playoff seeding. We had some games that gave us a little bit more confidence in certain players. Then there were some games that were just puzzling while at the same time they produced fantasy. So it just kind of depends on what side of the ball you fall on if you follow NFL as well as fantasy or if you're just looking who puts up. But let's go through them right quick. Thursday, we had the Steelers versus the Vikings. That game ended up being a 36 to 28 win for the Vikings. It looked like it was going to be a dud to start out with. And then the next thing you know, the Steelers came out of nowhere, showing a lot of guts, showing a lot of heart. And it ended up being a pretty decent fantasy evening. Um, Some of us started out way ahead if we had the Jeffersons and the Cooks of the world. Also, if you had KJ Osborne as maybe your flex or that fill-in or throw-in last-ditch effort due to other injuries, he was able to show up. A lot of good fantasy productions there. Claypool was was able to produce fantasy-wise, although he sort of, well, was sort of one of the reasons why the Steelers weren't in position to take that W based on some of his hijinks. Definitely a good game. Did you guys get an opportunity to check that one out? Watching this game, and Pittsburgh showed that, man. When I tell you, they can't stop the run. Yeah. Man, I mean, Dalvin Cook was running through holes. Like, I mean, a Winnebago can go through them. You know what I'm saying? So Running uh, through these holes like Drano. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> um so definitely for the guys that have Davin Cook, you definitely started your week off on a high note. Probably won he probably actually won you a week with the game that he had. But moving forward, uh I do like most running backs against his defense. I mean TJ Watt left the game with an injury, and it just seems like they're not the same defense without him on the field. Again, Big Ben going through his uh, growing pains and it just like at the time it's just dwindling down. His offensive line is not very good either. Hasn't been for, yeah. for some Honestly, I think that's taking years off of Big Ben's career, to be honest with you. I mean, and it's not like they don't understand that they have holes to fill. I mean, they lost Villanueva to Baltimore, and he's garbage in Baltimore. So if you have a downgrade from garbage, what are you? Like, I mean, they're almost in a similar position to the Giants. Like, they, they really need to revamp that line. I honestly think right now that a Harris of Pittsburgh could be even better than what we've seen him kind of make the, you know, sugar out of shit type of situation. I honestly sure. think he could be a whole lot better if they just make an attempt at making that O-line. I mean, they, they had guys literally coming off of waivers and, and guys that were the last to come out of the free agent pool starting for them. They really need to make it come up there or even get some younger guys. Maybe you can get lucky like Kansas City did. and They got a, a first-round worthy center in the second round. So it works if you know what you're doing. I can't wait because I think uh, Najee's going to definitely fall into the second round next year. And he's going to, like you said, based on the moves they might make, he might be a top five back with a, uh, a good offensive line. With the offseason, the dynasty players, there are a couple of guys that have been – letdowns or didn't necessarily produce to their full potential that you can go after that you might be able to get on the low. Harris being one, DK Metcalf being one, just, you know, certain guys to look out for that that people may kind of forget how good they have been or could be. We'll definitely get more into those type scenarios in the offseason. A few more games to throw out there. We had the Ravens versus the Browns. The Browns won that game 24 to 22. The Jaguars versus the Titans. The Titans won that game 20 to 0. 
The Chiefs versus the Raiders. The Chiefs won that game 48-9. to There's a reason I threw all three of those games out there at the same time. There's only one of them that's really worth talking about. So, with that being said, the Ravens and the Browns, that was actually a pretty good game. I think if Lamar hadn't have gotten hurt, they would have completed the comeback and they may have taken the Browns out. Baker Mayfield started to do Baker-type things towards the end of the game and giving the Browns less hope and giving the Ravens more hope that they can make the comeback. And again, it ended up being a two-point game. Hunt ended up getting hurt in this game. So definitely uh, a couple people walked out of the game with injuries that are far-reaching as far as fantasy implications are concerned. Titans versus Jaguars is just... It was what it was. I mean, you're not really starting any Jaguars at this point in the game. Uh, even Robinson, who is able to come through for a bad team, he ended up with less than a point. I think he ended up with like what, 0.4 if you do decimal system scoring. Something in, something in that vein. At least that was the last that I saw. Yeah, and you have the Chiefs, who I indicated would probably go back to putting up Chief-type numbers this week, and they definitely did that with the 48-9 to victory over the Raiders. Also, I had a real good feeling about Hunter Renfro, and I pretty much knew they were going to have to throw the whole game as far as the Raiders were concerned. So he ended up getting what he needed to get. He went over the century mark yet again. You're talking about a defense catching fire at the right time of the year, man. Kansas City Chiefs. This this defense has really came alive in the last uh, so many weeks. And I think one of the biggest differences was moving Chris Jones back to the inside. Um, and they had to get Ingram to do so. Right. He, I mean, this guy is a force. But he's way better in the inside than playing on the outside. So definitely, that was one of the biggest uh, changes. The honey badger, he's back doing honey badger type things. These guys are getting you know strips. I mean, they they they're there. Like this defense is fire. I have them on my team going down the stretch. You know, it's one of those defenses I like moving down the stretch because they're just playing lights out right now. Because remember, early in the year, everybody's questioning this Kansas City team. You know what I mean? It looked kind of – wasn't they 4-4 four and four at one point or something like that? So, yeah, People were questioning whether or not they would even make the playoffs, and now right. they're 9-4. Right, so they turn it around. So that's one of the biggest takes I, I like. Of course, you, you, go, you know what you're going to get as far as them offensively. And it still seems that teams are playing two safeties deep, let, letting Tyreek go crazy. So de- teams are still playing them that way, but they're finding a way and with the help of the defense actually scoring points as, you know, as well. It's just been uh, – pretty good going into the playoffs and the thing is it's rare that you find a champion who's an underdog and the chiefs for some reason find themselves in that position this year and i think it bodes well for them because they don't have to worry about being the big boss man that everybody's preparing to you know come to town or whatever you want to say the afc Um, is such a toss-up this year like it it really is you know you just don't know who's like the bills you never know what you're gonna get here the browns you never know the ravens now I mean, just so many question marks. Uh, the Chiefs seem like the healthier team. So, you know, that, that part, who, that who wins, you know, the team that can stay healthy. So out of these teams that everybody else are facing injuries. Guess who's else pretty healthy? The Patriots. They are, they are. But, you know, again, the Patriots, if you can win a game throwing three passes, hey. I don't know. I mean, hey. I know I know it's something to look at. Like, <laughs> it's hey. cool, but it, to me, I see it another way. Like, that's not cool. You know what I mean? It just, I don't think they're ready to take that step because I don't I like Matt Jones he's been accurate this year not really turn the ball over as much but these are the type of quarterbacks what are you going to do when you're down 14 you're down 17 can you catch up and the kind of football that they're playing I don't think they can catch a team like the Chiefs if they get up early on them 
the only thing is with the type of defense that the Patriots has, I don't see anybody getting up on them by 17. Unless you're talking about like a, a pick six and then a fumble in the on when the other teams immediately in the like it would have to be like a, a quick hit. Like like you you wouldn't be able to just stump it down their throats that way. And that's right. the only reason why they were able to do what they were able to do with Buffalo. That right. combined with the fact that the weather itself was defense. Like I mean, that was that, that was actually the better defense than the Patriots defense was the weather itself. Like when, when you can't punt when you're going in a certain direction, when you can't throw the ball, but to your left because the wind is blowing in the direction of your right. So the odds of the ball even getting there are slim to none. Still, I, I heard people say the same argument. And my rebuttal is that it doesn't matter. We see during this time of the year, it's always like that. There's always windy games. There's always cold games. Hell, there was a game, the fog was so thick, you couldn't even see your hand. But but to see a game that's only three pass attempts, that's that's alarming to me. I mean, I get you it. may see it as a feat, <laughs> I get but it. to me, I think it's kind of alarming. No, I completely understand. The other side of it, too, is it's three pass attempts with a great backfit. Buffalo doesn't have a running back to stand on, so they had to continue to to go the way of the past even though it really wasn't working that much i was just going to that point like you know this team the bills team without Tredavious white is like a fraction of itself like they're just getting picked apart on defense and they really don't have that much of a, a pass rush now to stand on without them so i'm honestly which used to be in the past we would avoid their matchups i'm actually starting to like their matchups a lot more yeah you see fournette just had a good game on the ground like you, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor did a couple weeks ago, and it's like, man, wow, teams are actually running the ball on the Bills now. Tredavious White helped out with a whole lot, not just not just covering the number one wide receiver. So I, I think once they lost that guy, they lost their kind of their quarterback in the secondary, and now you're having essentially a third string corner having to start, and it's not looking so good. They, they aren't they aren't able to hold up in the secondary which makes it that much more imperative that you get to the quarterback a little bit quicker. So you're able to kind of see their deficiency on the line that they were able to cover up when they had a otherworldly cornerback back there. So um, just a couple of things to kind of keep in mind as far as the changes that we're seeing with Buffalo. A few other games that uh, were out there, you had the Saints beat up on the Jets. That was a 30-9 to win for the Saints. The Cowboys were able to defeat the Washington football team 27 to 20. And you had the Falcons beat up the Panthers 29 to 21. And that game was not quite as close as what the score would indicate. Highlights from these are low lights, depending on which direction you choose to go. Cam Newton still can't throw the ball. The Falcons did what they needed to do. I don't know if Cam was going to have a job next year. He would have almost been better off not going back to the Panthers if he wanted to lengthen his career. If, if you can't at least halfway show up there, then I don't know anyone else that's going to have that same confidence in you. He's still a heck of a running back. He, he shows that every time he gets the chance, but I just don't trust him passing the ball. The Cowboys actually were a little bit more convincing than the one-score game would indicate. I love what I'm seeing from Dallas. Their defense is finally matching the output of their offense. Micah Parsons should have been the number one kid drafted this past year. Offense or defense, there's no one that is impressing me more than Micah Parsons is. This guy is 
one of the best defensive players, not one of the best defensive rookie players. No, one of the best defensive players in the game, bar none already. I can't even imagine what this defense is going to look like a year or two from now. They keep Dan Quinn in the fold as the defensive coordinator. They already have the quarterback. Um, they have the, the running backs available. They have definitely have the wide receivers. They're going in the right direction. Um, they, they finally fixed their defense. It's crazy. Like, you never get the two things going, you know, simultaneously. Like uh, You don't. <laughs> the offense is looking world beater. And now the offense is taking a step back. And the defense is looking good. Like, to me, I'm, the, the offense is it's not the same. They start the off running really game high. running game is suffering. You know, the, that, well – even the past game, I mean, Dak is missing a lot of throws, a lot of a lot of open guys. He's you know either underthrowing or overthrowing. Offensively, I thought this team was going to be you know one of the best in the league. It just hasn't been that. And the defense is you know in past has been bad, but now they're playing good. As far as Michael Parsons, I mean, he's a top five defensive player in the league. Like Absolutely, said, not rookie, just period. The guy's not even a pass rusher; he's a linebacker. But yet he's you know double digit sacks. He's like, I want to say fourth in the league in sacks. And he, yeah. he don't even rush the he, – he Yeah, rushed like the that's not who he really is. <laughs> right. You know, he's, they're playing him on the, on the line. And he's – I mean, that kid is a terror. Man, I, I don't even know what to say about that pick. Like, they, they definitely got he one He made it to number 10. Like, yeah. he's literally he, – he was the best – he's the best pick in the draft, hands down. For sure. But, you know, in, in, in last year's draft, it was guys are more drafted need. So, if you look at as far as, you know, talent – of course, he's one of the more talented players coming out, but teams needed quarterbacks, teams needed corners. Need, you know, guys are picking more on need versus just who's the best player on the board. You know I hear you. Yeah, the, and off the field issues didn't help him. I thought yeah. I thought he had phenomenal character. And he was a great leader at Bama, but these organizations they get a whiff of anything, and it's like they just drops people on the board, just like uh, Ken Shaw for the 49ers. That kid was another one who, because of issues, dropped in the draft. But to your point, like this guy is like Patrick Willis and Von Miller and one player, you know, like <laughs> his pass rush ability and how and the tackling machine he is and the prowess he has on the field. But with the Cowboys offense, I just think Kellen Moore and McCarthy is like it's like the offense is intertwined in a bad sense. When we saw like the air raid conf, the, uh, concepts, the bombing it down the field, that's Kellen Moore. All this running back dimensions and all these follies and things that they're adding that's not working out. They're trying to marry, you know, marry two concepts that's not working. I think they just need to get back to what they was doing and they'd be good. Yeah, our old buddy need to go sit down again. That, that's what he needs to do. <laughs> Facts. When, when he sat down and Kellen Moore was running the offense, it was good to go. I'm not being insensitive and in saying that I hope he gets COVID again or nothing like that. I'm just saying that. Sometimes you get, you know, you get more with less. No, no different than, than than what you saw with Chicago when Nagy went and sat down for a little bit, and you were able to show him at that point, you know, hey, if you do it this way, you might be a little bit more productive. At least we can say with Nagy when he came back, he took some of those concepts that were used while he was out and continued them. Um, so hopefully, right. you know, you know, Fields will be. You know, no worse for the wear with some of the decisions that that organization made. We'll kind of see how that goes. I like Phil's prognosis going into next year. Um, I think uh, he's going to be one of those dudes, one of those dogs. Another team, like I was saying before, with New Orleans Saints, Taysom Hill. He is the weapon. He is the weapon. It looks ugly. You know, what I mean, don't get me, don't get it wrong. Get me wrong. Like he's not some all-world quarterback. But when you look at the fantasy points aspect, people got to learn how to separate football 
what you see regular football versus fantasy production. Absolutely. And a lot of times you look at guys and it's not conventional and it doesn't look good. But when you look at the score at the end of the game, you know what I mean? Like very productive. So Taysom Hill is the weapon. Now Kamara's back and it seemed like they're going to really lean on him a lot. So he's definitely a guy that's probably going to take a lot of guys (laughs) for sure. We have the Seahawks that beat the Texans 33 to 13. Broncos beat the Lions 38 to 10. And the Chargers beat the Giants 37 to 21. The Chargers were able to show and prove without Allen being on the field. You know, he was out due to COVID. Everyone kind of did what they were supposed to do. They step up when people were injured. Eckler got you the points that you wanted him to get you before he limped off with the ankle injury. He was on his way to a huge game. The Broncos put up 38 points for the first time since forever. But it still just didn't really feel right. I mean, e- even with the amount of points that they put up, it just, I don't trust any of them. Other than Williams, I don't really trust any of them. The Lions did what they did. They they got a lot of injuries going on, and they're just kind of trying to, to make it on through. Looks like they're going to end up having the number one overall pick. We'll see whether or not they go the direction of a QB. The Heisman Trophy winner from Alabama is currently the number one uh, on the board is the thought process. So we'll kind of see if they stay loyal to golf or if it's going to be golf's swan song year as a rookie is drafted to take his place. And as far as the Seahawks and Texans are concerned, you have another one of those Tyler Lockett sightings. So uh, he was able to show and prove. I believe we actually talked on the show about whether or not to start him. And I said that this is probably going to be one of those games where he pops off and then we won't see him for another week or two. And he did just that. He popped off. Wilson kind of did his norm. Uh, The Texans, for the most part, didn't help anybody on fantasy, but pretty decent showing with the pieces that they had out there. But we have a few players that are probably going to be on the move within these locker rooms right now. The thought process is that the Seahawks are going to make a big move. It's looking like Russell Wilson may end up being either a Denver Bronco, a New York giant, or possibly a new Orleans saint. So that's the scuttlebutt going around right now. Um, I think it's more likely that he goes to Denver than anywhere. And in all honesty, for, for me, for dynasty, and to get ahead of the curve, if Russell Wilson goes to to the Broncos with that group of wide receivers, your disappointment in them will be rewarded by drafting them again or trading for them if you're dynasty players in the offseason. They're going to do something with that quarterback situation, and it may behoove you to get out in front of it versus having to pay the price for the reaction when they replace that quarterback. That's just my heads up for you. Well, with that being said, you might want to wait until the news come out. I would hate mm-hmm. to make a move for Sutton and he goes to New Orleans. You know what I mean? I would hate to make a move for Michael Thomas and he goes to New York. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things that you just you really have to wait to the news. I mean, I know you want to be ahead of the game, but in this game, you never know where someone's going to end up. I, I know for sure the, the Broncos package. are going to get a quarterback. So those wide receivers aren't going to be – Nearly right. You can you can almost but, get them for for a, a second round pick in Dynasty right now. To be honest, with you. they're going to get a quarterback, but what quarterback is going to fit which one skill set? Russell Wilson being there, 
is going to be more attractive for one versus Aaron Rodgers being there. I think if Russell there, I like Sutton better. If Aaron Rodgers there, I might like Judy better. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things. Of course, Aaron Rodgers can throw the deep ball, but Russell Wilson is more of a deep ball thrower. And I think Aaron Rodgers' skill set fits more of a Jerry Judy, you know what I mean, as far as the uh, precise route running and things of that nature. So I guess it depends on which quarterback on which one that you would take on. Because in, in my opinion, it would be like this. Well, it would kind of be like the situation in Seattle. I believe that Wilson's skill set is more geared towards a locket type of a receiver. Right. But it don't hurt Metcalf. That's but Metcalf, yeah, but Metcalf and, and Lockett kind of have the same skill set. They both get vertical. I mean, Metcalf is definitely a route runner. He's just a big body that can get down the field. Yeah, they kind of do it in a different manner, but they, right. they both have vertical aspects, which is the same thing that I see, like, let's say with the Tim Patrick and a Sutton, or let's say um, a Noah Fant. He's kind of like that going straight up the seam type of tight end. You know, he's that big play tight end. So uh, all I'm saying is if you can get them for next to free now, you figure out what to do with them once the hype comes along. And we know what we know about skill sets matching up with wide receivers, but what the other people are going to see is just a wide receiver that has a new quarterback and they like the new quarterback, you can get rid of the one that you feel skill set doesn't fit quite right. But I would rather have them on the cheap and figure out what to do with them when the time comes. And again, this is dynasty uh, versus allowing the Aaron Rodgers or the Russell Wilsons of the world to go there. Even hell, if Daniel Jones went there and had a decent offensive line, I think you would see a completely different team, to be honest with you. So before they make whatever move it is they're going to make, it's not going to make the wide receivers worse. And and I actually right. like their talent. They just need somebody to get them the ball. You see, whenever Teddy Bridgewater has a halfway decent game, all of a sudden he has talented wide receivers. No, they were talented before. You just finally decided to throw the ball. So that's just kind of the way I see that team right now. And, if, and real quick, as far as Detroit, you know, my thing has always been this. If you're not going to get one of those can't-miss guys, I don't care if you need a quarterback. Don't pick one. If it's not an Andrew Luck in this lottery, do not pick a quarterback. You got these guys, they need a quarterback, and just because they just have to get one. He's not even worth a lottery pick, but hell, I'm just mm-hmm. taking one anyway. I'd rather either take a veteran off the frigid list or take another year and then wait for my guy to come around. Like It doesn't make sense unless you can get that can't-miss guy with those first 10 picks. I'm not picking no quarterback. It just doesn't make sense. And what's can't-miss nowadays? Like, I mean – like a lot, like, a lot of the quote unquote can't miss have missed horribly. Like who? <laughs> like, like say, for instance, in the, just in the last couple of years, right? Um, we we thought that well, it was said that Josh Rosen was going to be a can't. I didn't think it. It was thought that your um your Wilsons of the world and your Trey I didn't Lances think it. of the world was going to be better than your Mac Jones of the world. Um, I didn't think they it. were they were picked higher. I didn't think it. That, those are examples of guys just picking a quarterback because they need one. That's it. I mean, even at, um, Alex Smith, like yeah. in that in that draft, there was only two quarterbacks. It was only him and Rodgers. All the other teams in the NFL didn't need quarterbacks, but you just went ahead and grabbed him. Like when I think of can't miss, when Andrew Luck came through, you already know this guy's gonna be all. Well, like, well, they, okay. It was like a no brainer. Like this, unless he get hit by a truck, you knew this guy's gonna be an all pro. Well, let's look at that then, because. Trevor Lawrence had comparisons to an Andrew Luck, and he was supposed to be the can't-miss candidate. And what you're getting from him, you probably could have got from Flacco. 
and, and did a little bit better in other positions and then brought along your court. I think you end up ruining your quarterback when you get the quarterback first mm-hmm. and then you build the team around your quarterback versus building your team and then making your quarterback your finishing piece because you spent your money elsewhere and now you have that young quarterback that's on that rookie deal that you have for four years that can be, you know, the finishing touch and you don't have to worry about them you know, depending on them so much, essentially. I didn't think but, Trevor Lawrence was going to, in comparison to, to Luck, either. Like, well, I'm, I'm I can just name, saying that that's, that, that was the comparison that I was out there. I don't see as, why, because you can name all the Clemson wide receivers. Name me a Stanford wide receiver. I can wait here for days. You could tell when a quarterback makes the team better versus a guy that's just sitting in the, in the right place at the right time. You know what I mean? Like, this guy got all pro receivers every year he's been there. No one can name a Stanford wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I mean, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I, I hear you, but I mean that, that you essentially your argument is essentially saying that Andrew Luck is the only quarterback you would have drafted in the last. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I thought Cam Newton I coming out. Herbert. I, I Cam Newton also when he came out, he was pretty. He much, ain't a damn quarterback. No, I mean, no, 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 no. You talking about Cam Newton right now? But Cam Newton in the beginning stages, yeah, he he did he did he got where you thought he was going to be. The guy was an MVP. Now the guy he is today is a whole lot different than the candidate we knew from the Packers. So that's don't don't he let had that two two hella good years outside of that. But he's never been able to throw. If you spend a lottery pick, you want an MVP. No, I agree. You see what I'm saying? So and, and, I, and I I think I think he got to the top of the mountain. So we see mm-hmm. where he can. I mean, he actually got there. You know what I mean? You got so these that guys. Your Josh Allen's of the world. Your Deshaun Watsons of the world. Your Patrick Mahomes right. of the world. You mean these, these were guys that were picked around the same spot that you know, like the Patriots picked up a Mac Jones. So right. what what I tend to see is for a quarterback, you're better off not being the lottery pick because the team isn't going to be good. Those quarterbacks that end up getting picked around ten and beyond, a lot of those teams are just there out of circumstance for that year but the team is actually a lot better than the record indicates and they can make a quick turnaround these teams that are in the lottery position there is no quarterback that's going to turn the lions around next year or the year after they right. just don't that, have the talent. that's the reason why they should pick one like i know bryce young won the heisman but he's not like that nobody can name me a good alabama quarterback you know what i mean like mac jones no you mean no? He's not a pro bowler. He's not a good quarterback. I mean, he is a good quarterback. Listen, he, for, he's listen, breaking hold on, records hold on. for accuracy and completion. So has Chad Pennington. Come on, man. This you talk to the guy. I know. So has Chad Pennington. Actually, he wasn't a bad quarterback. He just stayed hurt. But we talking about breaking record. We talking about breaking records as far as accuracy. I mean, anybody could throw a twelve yard pass. Mm. I mean. Chad nah. Pennington was the man uh, nah. 20 yards and in. I, 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 mean, I would I, compare him more so to Drew Brees <laughs> than, than Chad Pennington. When I look at Alabama, you got to look at their defense. And like he said, their weapons. Skill players. Off the bat, <laughs> I kind of get to his point. Like, you can't really lean toward the Alabama player when they have. Oh, no. The I, I, I get what you're saying. But what but, I'm saying is, as far as quarterback is concerned, mm-hmm. I don't know any other – in. You're deeper into the college guys, way deeper into the college guys than I am. But if I if I am the Lions, if if I am dead set on taking quarterback, which I don't mm-hmm. think they should be, I think that's the mistake that a lot like none of the teams that pick one through nine wouldn't be better right now with Michael Parsons than whatever quarterback they pick. Or, or does anybody see that differently? 
No, well, if I'm them, I'm going. I'm getting one of the top defensive players. I think it's that guy from Oregon right now. That's like the oh the DN, uh, Mr. Yeah. Tibbs. They call him Mr. Tibbs. They need to go <laughs> give it all. Definitely. Well, I, I like the uh, I like the, the linebacker the from, kid from Notre Dame. I like the kid from Notre Dame. He got a lot. Uh, I mean, from Michigan. I'm sorry, the kid from Michigan. Yeah, uh, H- Hutchins, Hutchins. He has a motor. Um, yeah, I like that guy. Yeah, he has a motor. My thing is this, right? Just like last year. And, and, you know, Joe, he's a college guy, so he knows exactly what we're talking about. A lot of times when the draft come out, a lot of these quarterbacks are dead even. There's no one that's mm-hmm. really separating themselves from the other. So it's whether the you get the first one, so, so whether you get the first one or the one that's eighth on your board, it's not a big it's not a big difference. Just like last year, I mean, you had Trevor Lawrence, Zach, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, like mm-hmm. Matt Jones. There was no one guy standing out from everybody else. They want to right. put Lawrence ahead of everybody else, but in actuality – there was no one guy that was better than the field. So it's okay to take the field versus trying to get the very first guy, if you see what I'm saying. Yep. If you're in that position, you don't pick the quarterback with the lottery. You just don't do it. I but trade when, back but when, when I'm in that position because I need so many more pieces than what that one quarterback can Think about if the Jaguars traded back to somewhere between 8 to 10, gave up the number one overall, ended up taking Mac Jones before the Patriots got to him at number, what, 15? No, was it 12? It was 12 or 15. I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, it ended up going back to around that area. Ended up with Mac Jones plus another two, three picks. Uh, obviously, of those two or three picks, one or two of them are probably going to be first, whether they're mid or late round. I would just maneuver so differently than a lot of these lottery pick teams do. Yeah. I, I don't understand the logic. Joe, I want you to jump in on this one, but the, the, the problem is with the Jags, they have no identity. They reckon it would have been no different this year than last year if they'd have kept Gardner Minshew. You know what I'm saying? Facts, so facts, they, need a, right. they, they need an identity first and then go in that direction. I mean, so just picking guys just to be picking them, what you doing with them? I think I mean, ETM was going to be a big part of that identity, and they were going to run the ball a whole lot more with him and Robinson. Yeah, but they ETM ended up having to lean on Trevor Lawrence quite ETM a bit more is, than what they thought. ETN is not going to win you, what, one more game maybe? Like, he's not, No, no, not, not, not game winning. I think what, what he was going to attempt to do is the same thing that Urban Meyer was going to try to run the yeah. same type of system that he ran at Ohio State with using the H-back, and ETN would have been quintessential for that particular skill set. There's no one else on the team that has that skill set. He kind of has that Curtis Samuel, Carlos Hyde, almost not Zeke. Zeke ran the same system, but he's a much better pass protector and he's he's bigger. But that type of a back is ideal for what Urban Meyer likes to do. And, and when he got hurt, I think that kind of put them behind mm-hmm. the eight ball and Trevor Lawrence is throwing the ball a whole lot more than what he would have had to, barring uh, uh, several of the injuries that the Jaguars so we, we just can't look at what they are and what they look like in the moment. Man, I think, ETN I think would not make a difference. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, to kind of talk, like bring everything full circle. The reason college quarterbacks aren't as successful is there's too many analytics and different ways to measure tangibles. And more or less, you're taking spread quarterbacks and trying to make them a conventional quarterback in less than right. several months. Right. So that's I think those are two things. Because now you know the Nike Spark thing. You know they have all these different things to monitor how fast somebody's throwing the ball. All these different uh, metrics and things and people are falling in love with the numbers as opposed to tangibles and like right. i said you're asking a spread quarterback to go from doing the spread quarterback to a conventional system and we're seeing trevor lawrence is a good example spread quarterback uh, we've seen it blaine gabber for example spread quarterback hey, all, the ticks, all the ticks tick quarterbacks <laughs> over the years you know what i mean but you know what no vander something that you say all the time bring in a guy that that 
quarterback feels comfortable with. In this case, it wasn't a coordinator. Right. It's the guy that he threw the ball to as much as he did any wide receiver. So it's not that I think ETN is a world beater. It's just that for the role that he would play under that particular coach, knowing that system that Urban Meyer likes to run, and mm -hmm. then knowing the comfortability level that that rookie quarterback has with that guy, I think it would have made life easier for all parties involved. Not just not that ETN was mm -hmm. just would have been this world beater. He's kind of the piece that would have kind of brought a little bit more synergy between all the pieces out there. I think with Lawrence is he need he needed a few years in the NFL. We even seen it. You know, I think the level of competition he faced kind of diminished what he actually was. Because again, he's playing in the ACC with the best receivers in the game to Vander's point. He looks good in the games, but that's after he done threw two interceptions. That's after all the <laughs> misfires. We just looked at, like you said, the pedigree. He does have the pedigree to go on to be a Josh Allen and some of these prominent quarterbacks year two, like the Mahomes. I will give him that. But he really is underwhelming as far as a quarterback right now. I, I don't think, like he, like to Van's point, even with ETN, I think ETN was going to be Kamara. Honestly, James Robinson didn't have a chance to keep his job had uh, he been healthy. I think the second half of the season would have been ETN's really coming into the fold of being a dual threat. But Lawrence needed a, a full year. And plus, Urban Meyer, to me, is having when uh, Alabama coach went to the Dolphins for the first time. Like He just wasn't mm. – I don't think he's equipped to lead. He can do that in the college ranks, but I don't think – oh, Saban, there we go. He's not – I think it's a Saban thing with Meyer where I think he needs to go back to college. I feel you. I feel you. And the funny thing about it um, – that's a good point. The funny thing about it is, guess what? This guy may very well be one and done. So what he the ETN, what the ETN oh. pick? What you know what I mean? What is the ETN? Because you already can see he's losing the locker room. Yeah. Um, what is uh, he's uh, getting into it with his assistant coaches? He telling them things like, "What have they ever won?" Like you don't talk to guys like that. Here's and the so thing, now the thing about Urban Meyer. He, he's treating people like they aren't grown men. Right. He's used but, to dealing with boys. But this thing that, though. That, so the ETN pick now. Guess what? It means absolutely nothing because whoever comes in there, not yet. Oh, oh, trust me. Not this guy's going to be one and done. I don't see him last another year. And the ETN uh, pick is going to be a wasted pick because the new guy that comes in, he ain't going to give a damn about no ETN. He's kind of a more of a gadget. Let's call it what it is. You know what I, mean? I, I would run Robinson if I was the coach more than I would ETN. Right. But ET, ETN is specific to Urban Meyer's system. If Urban Meyer ain't there, ETN is basically Chase Edmonds. Let, uh, light. Very light. If you look at his skill set and if you think about the way that he's what he's capable of doing, they're similar guys, even in Bill. More like Wendell Smallwood. Get out of here. I he's think in. exposure <laughs> changes everything. Had uh, we got a, the exposure or Edmonds, right? I'm not, I'm not, ETN got the exposure rather to get on the field. I think he, like I said, second half of the season, he would have definitely outperformed people's mindset again. I got a chance to kind of watch him because, you know, around this time, I'm like digging in the film, looking at different players already getting a feel for what's going on. He reminds me a lot like Kamara. And I think I would take someone who's like you who's saying, oh, ETN is washed, dogged out, and hopefully he falls to the fourth round. I'm still going to get James Robinson, but it's just like right now, Gordon and Javante. He's going to get that pressure next year, Robinson, I promise you, from ETN because ETN – He's not that great with pass blocker, but he can run inside. He can take it to the house. Um, he's obviously a receiver. He's like McCaffrey to me. 
in that regards. And I'll put him right there and take the heat for it later as far as being a receiving back out of the backfield. You don't happen to know Robinson contract situation, do you? And with undrafted, don't they only normally get like a one or two years, something like that? Let's check real quick. I'm gonna check that while we talk. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I know with most rookies, they start with if it's a first round, they have the four year, and then the fifth year option is the team's option. That's why a lot of teams sometimes jump back into okay. the latter part of the first round. Uh, so what's Robinson's he, situation? He is signed into 2022. So 2022 will be his uh, last year on the contract. Then he'll become a restricted free agent in 2023. He's probably not making very much money. Nope, I mean, so not at all. really nope. cheap. I think James Robinson would be good on another team. Absolutely. Um, I love him. Uh, yeah. Seattle, I love I think, James Robinson. I think Seattle, Seattle would be a good team for him. Uh, Man, give me Buffalo. Buffalo would be good, too. But, I mean, it's a lot of teams. I would trade for him services. right now if I was Buffalo. You know the Jaguars are still going to be in that reconfiguring mode, especially if they get a new coach. And if that's the case, maybe you float a fourth-round pick out there for the guy. Maybe they accept that fourth-round pick. I mean, because they're not going to get much more, and he's not going to be around when they're better because he's going to want more money, and he's probably going to want to go to a better team. Why not see if you can throw that fourth round that maybe maybe if you have to the tail end of the third round, but he's going to give you heads and tails higher than where you are right now as far as the running game is concerned if you're a team like the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and to your point, too, they can actually re-sign, rework his deal because, to your point, he was an undrafted player. So it is possible going into next season or sometime during next season, the Jaguars might look to re-sign him as well. Yeah, yeah that part, too, because that's the only way they're going to keep him. Don't, don't, don't let him become a free agent. Please don't do that if you're the Jaguars. Unless you say, well, I can go back to the well and do the same thing again. We'll depend on ETN for right now, and I'll find another fourth, fifth, sixth-round guy That'll, you know, show up and be my the next Robinson. But. This team is in trouble. I mean, let's think about it. Probably about three, four years ago, they had an identity. There was a defensive team and they was winning games and they was like a play away from being in a in a, in a, in a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I actually think they got cheated. I think that, that AFC championship was the game they played. Like Life comes at you fast. You know what I mean? So they had a, now they have absolutely no identity. So good luck to them. The Jaguars may end up becoming the damn Knights. And what I mean by that is they may end up over in London somewhere. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, like, like and that's like, going to be worse because guys don't want to, guys don't want to live abroad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Guys want to be the man at home. Guys it's going to be a team full of young guys. It's only 32 teams in the NFL. And when right. you're a rookie, you just want to be on a team and you hope for the best, but you're, they won't be able to get free agents though. And, right. and, and let, I mean, you got oh, some no free agents that are just kind of built differently, and some of them may want to go abroad just for the just to be able to do it. You know, but I doubt it. For for the for the for all intents and purposes, though, that would be one of the best home field advantages. Um, they'd probably try to string together your home games and then string together your road games for logistic purposes, and that probably would be one of the better. Um, they were also talking about like Mexico City or. Um, those are only two out of out of country spots right now, but they they were looking for a team to to go. And, and the Jaguars' name was already on the block prior to their owner buying the team. Currently, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens with the Jaguars between personnel and between the team itself. They got a lot to figure out. When they think about adding two more teams, something like that, like expansion. Now, I, I didn't I didn't hear anything about going to thirty four teams. But that would actually probably be 
the 32 teams staying put and then two international teams. But I think I honestly believe that that would kind of water down the NFL a, a bit too much. We already have teams that are bottom dwellers and seem to not be able to get up. If you kind of thin out the population even more, who would be quarterback 33 and 34 right now? A quarterback like 30 through 32 ain't, ain't all that good right now, who, who, whomever you may deem those people to be. I don't want them to water down the product much more. And unless unless opening up internationally is going to bring in more talent from said countries and things of that nature, where they're trying to kind of open it up to more of a basketball field to where it's now we're getting the best people from around the world versus it predominantly being an American game. Maybe they want to go that direction. And even with that, it's still going to take a few years to for people to kind of catch up. Yeah, it's, it, they just it, they don't really care about bringing in the talent. They just want that international dollar. You and then, you know, The Rock bought out the XFL. The XFL is supposed to be coming back in 2023, I believe it is. And anything that man puts his hands on normally ends up, you know, doing pretty well. So I, I think they got the right owners this time. And even if he has to use his own money, I don't see the XFL going out of business again after 2023. And honestly, they were doing a pretty decent job. But then COVID came along and put the kibosh on that. Yeah, I'm going to I think that it's going to be highly successful. Like you said, Rock and his investment group, like you said, behind everything they touch is super gold. So it's going to be mess a, to be the president by <laughs> in another two facts. terms. Like you playing. I think they should maybe use it more as a farm system. Then try to beat. I know they're not competing with the NFL because they mm-hmm. they're usually going to run it during the time that the league is not in. But right, it's going to be hard to get in there because I mean, people, you a fan, I'm a fan. We've been fans of these teams for years, and it's kind of even though we love football, it's kind of hard for somebody to turn the channel and look at a team full of guys that have no clue who is who. You know what I mean? So fantasy is going to be very important to that league, and they're going to cater to fantasy. That they're going to do some innovative things that the NFL should have thought of a long time ago but that's what's going to indoctrinate us to those names that we don't know it's going to be fantasy watch what i tell you and with that being said make sure you're ready to invest in whatever fantasy apparatus they're going to dive deep into because it's going to take off watch what i tell you we got a couple of more matchups the giants lost to the chargers that one uh, joe talked a little bit about herbert the Chargers are really putting themselves in position to be a stalwart in that division. They're going to be able to compete with the Kansas Cities of the world the way they're putting this team together. And they have a quarterback that is one of the better young quarterbacks that are out there right now. His deep ball is phenomenal. The only other deep ball that I see that that's even in his or he's in that person's arena, if the Aaron Rodgers of the world. We're talking 45 to 50 air yards, not yards after the catch. This guy can throw the damn ball. We had the 49ers Bengals. The 49ers were able to win smallest of differences in this one, 26 to 23. Honestly, this game could have gone either way, and it was a great game right up until the end. Both teams are now 7-6. and six. The 49ers are squarely in the hunt of the playoffs now. You have the Bills and the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers ended up winning that game 33-27. to And the final score is not really indicative of how much the Buccaneers were kind of able to show the warts of the Buffalo Bills. And the last game was the Packers and Bears. The Packers beat the Bears 45-30. to And in this one, this one may be the one that takes me out if things don't go right tonight. Because I set Aaron Jones, I started Joe Mixon, hmm. 
which I don't really worry about the result as much as I do the process. I will always follow the process. I'm not one of those after the game, dang, I should have put this guy in. Obviously, that's a natural reaction, but the process is put in the guy that's been getting all the volume versus the guy that's likely to take a 50-50 split. So if I end up going out, I went out playing the game the right way. It is what it is. Josh Allen, maybe I'm overreacting, guys, but Josh Allen seems to be more of what he was prior to last year than what he was in his MVP candidacy year last year. Um, If we look at his numbers prior to last year, prior to Diggs getting there, he wasn't what we saw last year. So I'm, I'm really kind of beginning to think that he's somewhere in the middle, but we thought that he would build off of last year and then become better than what he was last year. I think last year for him was the same as cam newton's mvp year it's the best stats you're going to get out of that guy all things came together and everything else that you see going forward is going to be slightly under that so show me where i'm wrong yeah with i think with josh allen too i think what also happened is just the subtle changes is, is around him too he doesn't have the run game for one or the offensive line which is a fact that he would need to be successful, especially I think, you know, he's never had a book in left tackle. Dawkins is good, but he's okay. They just they just need to regroup that offensive line and establish an identity. They have the receivers. They have a plethora of those. It just comes down to honestly being able to execute something like that. And it starts with the run game and time of possession. I don't look at him as a methodical guy that's kind of march the ball down the field, that's going to you, you know, like the Aaron Rodgers, like to your point, the Herberts, the people that kind of matriculate the ball down the field, uh, more nuanced. He's just a, a gunner. He had the same two running backs last year in, in the year where he put up all those numbers. So because he had the same running game, I can't now allow the quarterback that put up those numbers to use the run. Although we agree that the running game could be much improved. I can't allow that quarterback to use that as an excuse this year when it was a part of the team, the same portions of the team last year. So you should still be able to put up similar numbers to last year with the same running backs, right? Well, to be honest with you, I mean, he's not really that far off from this year to last year. I mean, last year he averaged 29 fantasy points a game. This year he's averaging 28. I mean, he's averaging more yards a carry as far as running the ball. he's, He's running the ball a lot better. That's where a lot of his fantasy points are coming from. He's getting the vast majority of his fantasy points with his legs. I thought he no, was going to go to another, another strategy. Yeah, but he's, this like year. I said, he's not, he's not that far off. I mean, how many more games we have left in the season? Uh, in, the, in the regular season, we have yeah. 18 weeks this year. So Okay, so last year he threw for 4,500 yards. Um, as of right now, he says 3,500. So yeah. yeah, so he's only 1,000 off with three games remaining. Like, he's not – what I'm saying is he's not that far off his – you know, from last year. Um, right, but but he's he's lower than what he was last year, and he has an extra game this year. So for him to end up where he did last year and he has an extra game would mean he declined. What I'm saying is I thought he would build on what he did last year, and we would be looking at a 5,000-yard passer, not someone that's getting back to the same numbers with an extra game to do it in. I don't – I mean, me personally, I don't think he's that far off. He's played – because last year he played 16 games. Uh, where he's at right now, he's only 13 games in. So he's still three games off, you know, comparing the pace. Like he's not about to get no thousand yards in three. And three, games. I mean, it's possible. It's possible, but it's unlikely. I mean, yeah. But if I tell you the guy's only averaging one less fantasy point than last year, it's not a big. It's not like he fell off a cliff. Well, I well no, I agree with you. If we're looking at it just from the fantasy standpoint, right. his point his point total hasn't changed that much. But again, 
my expectation was for him to increase. So that's my surprise. See, I thought he was going to be able to build. I, I don't know. Nah, I, I don't. I don't think so. That's like you asking Mahomes to increase from the, the, the season he had. Like I think these guys set the bar kind of high, and then you're like, yo, you, you can only get better. No, if you get better, you're gonna be an alien. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you, you already set the bar high. I mean, the guy threw for 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, only 10 picks, and ran for eight touchdowns. What bit? What more do you want? I mean, getting better than that is, you know, what I mean, what? You in God mode, like you know, they set these and, bars and so that, high. That's that's where I thought he could get. No, I man. thought that he was a pass throwing Cam Newton, which for fantasy is God mode. He's actually playing better than Cam. Let me ask you a question. So, when when Mahomes threw for five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns, you were saying mm-hmm. he got to get better next year. That's what you're telling me. No, I thought he maximized what he could do. I I, I thought that he because I he's got he his peak because he went right. So he's been. I'm, I'm not gonna say worse, but. He hasn't lived up to that total since then. I, I didn't expect for him to, though. Why would, I, I think that that's why, any quarterback's peak. Okay, so this is my rebuttal to that. Joe, why wouldn't you expect him to live up to that if this is his first year as a starter? So you mean to tell me a guy first year as a this starter. Hold on, listen. This guy's first year as a starter is 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. You mean to tell me this is his first year as a quarterback? You wouldn't think he can he can be better? But no, to, actually, this is where I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna agree with X. I kind of we all kind of knew we were put on notice what kind of offense they had. With the Bills, we didn't know anything. I didn't know nothing about Beasley. I didn't know nothing about um, the other uh, plethora of receivers on that team. I didn't even know what Josh Allen was gonna do. Same thing with a Cam Newton who threw for over four thousand yards the first season. And I'm like everybody else, like well, I'm gonna expect a little bit more. Josh Allen's tangibles, we didn't know anything about. He was a dark horse that erupted into the, you know, the NFL. But unlike Cam, this guy is more than a tradition. He has the strongest arm, my personal opinion, Thanks. in the league by far. So, of course, I'm thinking you're getting Emmanuel Sanders. You got, you know, the same coordinator, Beasley, who he is, Diggs unstoppable. Diggs in the second year in the offense. I'm thinking you going to the moon. Like I said, he's not far off. Like you said, I don't like uh, to X point would expect a little bit more, but I attribute that more to the defense and the injuries on the defense more than him not being there as a, you know, as far as his tangibles and what he brings to the organization. Yeah. I mean, but Dig, maybe Diggs is being played. I think Diggs is being played different this year because he hasn't had the year that he had last year. Facts. So and and maybe- I thought their second year together, they would be. They would be, I guess, more explosive versus less explosive. And honestly, if you give Diggs the same type of a year he had last year, that's where the difference in points comes in and the difference in yards comes in. For sure. So to my point, I did not foresee that relationship at a downgrading versus upgrading. I thought in their second year together, they would be better together. And I don't think that that's an Per the beginning of the season and what we saw last season, I don't think that that was an unrealistic expectation. Well, I think defenses are playing digs different because if you look at the target, like he's being targeted a little less. You know, last year, Diggs was being, he was getting them double digit targets weekly. This year, he's having games with five targets, six targets. You got to look at the, the emergence of Dawson Knox. You know what I mean? Like things like that. Other guys are stepping up. You brought in uh, Emmanuel Sanders. So you bring other guys to the table, and he is taking targets away from him. So Gabriel Davis, another one. Too. You know what I mean? Like so, that's what it is. It's not that they're not playing well. It's just that 
you add more to the table and now you have to share the wealth. You know what I mean? Like, right. But when you add more to the table, even if you're sharing the wealth, there shouldn't be less wealth. Like in digs for, for digs numbers. Yes, I understand sharing right. the wealth that that brings down his personal numbers. Right. But that means that those numbers should be maximize somewhere else to whereas you're minimally getting the same output as you did the year before or an increase should be likely when all things remain equal you still have the same coordinators same head coach same running back yeah, but it's same, different i mean i mean like you said if you're not giving him the target someone else is getting them i mean dawson knox is playing better this year than last year we agree right. with that right right, right. Absolutely. so so he took a hit and someone else got the got the wealth like so what i'm hit. saying is why why does with all that being said, mm -hmm. if everyone was increasing somewhere, then the guy that's running the show, he should also take an increase versus a decrease. That's all right, I'm saying. But, like, but just like Joe just said, they probably have less possessions. I mean, the defense playing well last year gave the offense. So you got to think about things like that. The defense playing well last year gave the offense more opportunity. So they get more possessions to score more points. Because you, if the guy's only one point off like from it. last year. I didn't think yeah, about that. Yeah, I if like he's it. only one point off, it's not like it's a real big decrease on the offense. That just, per that se. just helped me yeah. out. It just less like opportunities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, too, to to your point that you're making, Dawson Knox also missed a couple games earlier. Yeah. He did. He missed like what two or three games. And exactly. but I see what you, I see what you mean, though, Zayda. So I'm, I'm with you too. But I just mm -hmm. think you know, let's give him a little bit of uh, little a little leeway bit. here. Yeah, just a little bit. And, and honestly, though, it may put him in a position to where he's a value for next year. In the leap that Joe and I were expecting for this year, you okay. may get that leap so, next year, but so you're real getting quick, a cheaper price. So real, so real quick, I'm going to ask both of you guys this question. With that being said, next year, where do you have Josh Allen ranked as a quarterback? I, I, I would still have him ranked as... Fantasy-wise, now. Number yeah. two. Top four? I don't want top... No, I want a number. Oh. I put a um, second. Hey. I I think I'd probably put him. I think I probably put him third. I put him, I put him third. So, hey, you know what I'm saying? Like he's still I'm putting like Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes ahead of him. Right. Still. He he's still in the conversation. I mean, definitely Kyler Murray. I'm not I'm not even sure if you put Pat Mahomes over Josh Allen, man. To be honest with you, I would just because I expect Kansas City to have sort of a a renaissance, if you will. And the reason I say that is because one thing I know about Andy Reid, the man knows offense in the same way. The NFL was able to zig when he zagged, and they went to that too high safety look. Andy Reid is going to figure out a way to exploit that look, and you're going to come back and try the same defense next year, and you're going to get your ass handed to you. He's I'm, been in the game too long for not, any particular defense to shut him down, and and I really think that they're going to take another step. I'm not putting Pat Mahomes over this guy. I mean, I, 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 I'm not because I mean because I mean if I tell you right now, Josh Allen is second in the league in fantasy points behind Tom Brady. So you see what I'm saying? So you can very yeah. well look at oh, something's not right. Josh Allen, like, no, he's he's still there. He's he's still doing what he, he's doing. I mean, last year he finished yeah. first. Yeah. And right now, he's currently second. He's he's right there. So like Joe said, the only guy I'll put in front of him is Kyler Murray because these are the guys with the threat to run. I actually probably would have Pat Mahomes maybe fourth. Maybe even, you know, maybe fourth or something like that. Who, who, going into who would next be year. Number three. Lamar? Not really Lamar. I think even Justin Herbert, man, to be honest with you. Okay, okay. Oh, you know what? I do like Herbert in year three. I do like Herbert in year three, especially yeah, if they, like, like with, with, with Palmer and Guyton coming up. Their, their wide receiving core is going to be – well, he's probably going to lose Williams in the offseason. But their wide receiver core still should be stupid with, with – Ooh, with, ooh, um, Joe, you just popped into my head. What about this? Okay, 
they lose Williams. What if they gain Michael Thomas? Oh, mm-hmm. because <laughs> to think about it, is it, familiar. That's his coordinator. Yeah, it, he's familiar with the offense, and oh. you know New Orleans is trying to ship him out. Think about that scenario. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I and think he, stock is down for Mike Thomas. He got he got ninety six million. I don't think he's he sniffed seventy million. Yeah, he's his stock is low. Two years. I right, think Urban but, Meyer makes him the highest paid wide receiver in the league again, just because he can't. No, but guess what? His stock is low. <laughs> but but who better than that corner to say? I know what this guy is. I know Urban Meyer. No, no, the right. guy. No, the guy. Um, in Los oh, Angeles. Joe Lamb. Yeah, Joe Lamb. I know, okay. and I and and I I hear you're Joe Lamb, and I raise you, Urban Meyer. No way. What do you mean? No way. No Urban, way. Urban Michael Meyer. Thomas, that guy in, in Los Angeles, got Michael Thomas paid. I understand that. But what I'm saying is There's the no guy that got Michael Thomas to the league is Urban Meyer. Oh, that you talk about that. you talking about putting together your, your Urban Meyer's not going to have a job, Zay. So unless Michael <laughs> Thomas can go back to college, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to have on, a no. job. Hold on, no. I don't like bringing up old shit, but wasn't you the one saying that first year quarterbacks don't get, I mean, first year coaches don't get fired? I don't no, bring no. Up no, 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 no. I didn't say that. I was saying that um, the coaches would probably get more opportunity versus the quarterback. But in this situation, he getting to it with everybody. Marvin Jones just stormed out of there. They was mad at him. He getting into it with people that don't matter. No, no, no. But these are players. Last week, he played James Robinson. He took James Robinson off, Mm -hmm. and the quarterback called him out like, yo, why James ain't on the field? He telling his assistant coaches, what have you guys won? That's arrogant as hell. It is. So It may also be true. But here's here's what's worse. You pick them dudes. So why the hell did you pick people that ain't win shit? And, and now, and then Urban Meyer said he couldn't. Didn't, he took a day off and went to a bar. And I'm like, he just got too much going on around him, man. To, to I can see him getting out of there after one season because it just he just. Okay, not let me shit. ask you this: Would it be his decision, or do you think it's going to be the owner's decision? It's going to be the owner. Okay. Because uh, they like, I mean, my, I think my it's more people, likely if it's his decision. But remember, I was telling you like Detroit Lions, right? And I was saying how their mm-hmm. ownership are proud people. Yeah, yeah, they haven't won a bunch of championships, it's but there's some headlines they don't want with involving their team. But they're proud, and they they want to win as bad as you know. They're not winning, but they want to win. That owner Shad in Jacksonville, he want to win bad. So I can very well see him uh, shipping that guy out of there. I can see it. I can definitely see it. Well. That wraps up the game reviews. We do have a game this evening, the Rams going up against the Cardinals. I I really think this is going to be a phenomenal game. It's a 51-point over-under, so grab your popcorn. It should be fireworks in this one. It's only a two-and-a-half-point spread, so Vegas doesn't see it as being a one-sided game, which is what it was the last time that they played each other. Even in that game, I think it ended up being like 37 to 20-something. So it, it went over what this total is projected at. So we'll, we'll, um, I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit closer, but it's still going to have the same fireworks. So I see Arizona coming out on top, and hopefully Cooper Cup is held in check and the Cardinals kicker goes off because if that happens, then – I will be going on my rant about never giving up and never quitting, even in the face of sure defeat, because I made the playoffs in the league that I shouldn't have made it in. So tonight's going to tell the story. It's going to be a bunch of jumping up and down and screaming or a bunch of cussing, but it's going to be a fun evening. What you guys got in this game? Oh, Van Jefferson. I think this is his game. I do like Van. I like Van. 
But I also too, I R O B J. I hope Ramsey follows Hopkins throughout. I think that's been like the thing I dislike the he most has about to, the defense. He? It seems like he playing one side of the field, like a Richard Sherman. He just stays on nah, the left side. They well, can't do that. The right side of the field, rather. They got to get him on the best player and not just on down the distance. That's a premier matchup. Like that's that's one of the that's one of the premier matchups that I want to see tonight, actually. Because Hop gonna take one of them deep, the mother younger DBs to church, man. I don't right. I think he's healthy enough that to part. do it in this game. <laughs> he showed you in the last game he's healthy enough to do whatever the hell him and Kyler Murray want to do. And I'm so glad that Arizona took the smart route and just said, Hey, I understand you two are the best on the team, but you do us no good if you're not healthy. They gave them boys a full month off. Come back strong. Yeah. Let's go ready. Let, let's be ready to win this thing. Versus well, we're gonna be nicked up and hope that we can good it out. Like, nah, that that's that's not the smart way to go about doing things. So I'm glad they they went that route. But this is gonna be a phenomenal game this evening. I cannot wait. With that being said, that wraps up the game preview for tonight and the game reviews. Real quick, we've had several people reach out to us as far as joining the listener league. So if you are interested in joining the listener league, listen up. Make sure that you get this taken care of ASAP. You have to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, Instagram, it's Fantasy Football Fiend. Twitter, it's at Fantasy underscore Fiend. And the Facebook group is Fantasy Football Fiend Family Facebook group. Show us that um, on any of those sites, you can send us a message showing that you have followed us on whatever app you use to listen to the podcast. And then we will give you the information necessary to get involved in the listener league. It's 99.9 times out of 10 going to end up on a sleeper. Um, they have the best dynasty set up as far as uh, that is concerned. So, like I said, IG, Fantasy Football Fiend, Twitter, at Fantasy underscore Fiend. And for Facebook, the Fantasy Football Fiend Family Facebook group. And we out.